What's up everybody? This week we take a look at some of the women of 90s rock and talk about one of the most controversial moments in Saturday Night Live history. That and a whole lot more is to come because maybe having one hand in your pocket keeps it dry when there's rain on your wedding day. Welcome to the show. So what do you think of the new intro, guys? I think it was great. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. It's really, really good to have you all on board. And, you know, we have done some extra episodes. But it is really, really good to be back and doing our regular scheduled program. Um, you know, we have a lot of big plans coming up for this season. And I just want to run through a couple of them first before we go ahead and dive into Women of Rock. Um, I am going to be joined by uh, Sarah Connolly. Sarah, you know, as you know, is my wife. And somebody who is an expert on female rock stars. Uh, it's very, very simple. I, you just ask her who is Courtney Love, and she'll spend the next 45 minutes telling you every single thing, including what she had for breakfast the day she did a certain gig. That's how big of a fan that she is. But uh, I want to increase our listenership this season, so, you know, if you guys like the podcast, please share with your friends, family, enemies, whatever. Let's get our viewership up, let's get our listenership up, and that way we can grow our audience and do things that, you know, do more things, basically. Uh, I am looking to do more extra episodes this year, too. Basically, the extra episodes are going to be more along the lines of what's happening right here, right now, as opposed to, you know, strictly in the 90s, strictly 90s themed or whatever. And We're going to have some good stuff on there, and we're going to have some, you know, really, really good times. I'm releasing those on Facebook and YouTube at the same time, that way, you know, it's easier to do. And depending on how my editing technique gets in the next couple of months, they might actually be videos as opposed to just plain up audio. So we'll see how we go there. Uh, we do have two new skit tops debuting this season, and we have a new segment debuting this season. So that's going to be real, real good. We're going to be looking at some political young leaders, some hip political young leaders, mainly Tony Blair and Bill Clinton. And as I mentioned on the extra episode when I announced that, I don't care what you think of their politics now. I don't care if you think they're evil, if they're great, if they're good, if they're bad, whatever. I'm just going to be looking at what they did, how they rose to power, what they did in power, and the controversies therein. We're going to be straight up documenting what they did as opposed to giving opinions on who they are and what they are, okay? Uh, also, we do have another break, but this time it won't be until the summer. We're going to do 22 episodes, so, you know, strap yourself in. We've got some real, really good shows lined up, including things like The Simpsons. We're going to look at uh, some video games. We look at Women of Rock. You know, it's going to be a good, good time, and I'm looking forward to bringing you guys on our journey. But we will not be breaking again until midsummer, which is great, because, you know, I want to keep this going as good as possible. Uh, a little bit of bad news. Uh, Molly, who was with us last season, is not going to be with us as a participant. Um, she looked at the schedule for this season and said, you know what? I'm not going to be able to be a part of it because I don't really know some of the stuff that's going on. And I don't want to be there, you know, faking my way through it, I think is what she said. So, you know, it, it, it's a shame. You know, we all have Molly here at the podcast and we do want her to stick around. Now, she's still going to be a talking head, so that's good. And she's still going to give me feedback as I need it. But uh, it's a shame we're not going to hear her this season, but I completely understand why she doesn't want to be a part of it. So what has happened between the last time I spoke with you guys and today? Um, well, we've had a lot of scandals. Now, just for disclaimer, I am recording this like a week before it's due out. So, you know, things might happen this week. It's 2018. What are you going to do? Uh, but because we're on Women of Rock, I want to say a few words about Dolores O'Riordan. Um, I know I went on to a big, huge tribute about Tom Petty when he passed, and to do a smaller one about the Cranberries. Look, I wasn't a big fan of the Cranberries. I know Linga, I know Zombie, and I think I know one or two others whose names escape me right now. That said, her voice was fantastic. She had a real, real great worldwide audience and was a fantastically talented musician. And the world of music is, again, like with Tom Petty, the world of music is at a loss with uh, Dolores O'Riordan. Um, yeah, I love, I love the song Zombie. It's one of my favorite songs. But I don't know too much about the band themselves. I wouldn't say I was a fan. Uh, you know, I'd listen to them if they were on the radio, but I wouldn't go out and buy their albums. Which is a shame in, in a way, because they are some talented people, and, you know, maybe I should have reached out more. And I'm probably going to over the next couple of months, but um, music has lost a very, very, very great singer, and, you know, the end of a real, real good band. Um, talking of music... I know I mentioned a couple of months ago that uh, the Gallagher Brothers albums were out, and I'd not listened to them, and for those who know me... Even the name of this podcast is based around the Gallagher Brothers. You know, I, I love Oasis. I think they think they're one of the best bands of all time. I've listened to both of their albums. Eh. Not horrible. 
not the greatness that they achieved, although there are some flashes of brilliance, but I mean, there's also a lot of stuff. Noel's album is more along the lines of the production value, whereas Liam's album was trying to be himself. And I think the next set of albums will be better than this if they keep going in the same way. That way they've got time to perfect it. But, eh, eh. Yeah, I know, I know. Also has some positive changes in my life since uh, the last time we spoke. One of the reasons why we've had so many delays on this season has been due to the changes that have happened. Um, I know back in January, I was supposed to release this on February 4th, I think it is. It's the first Sunday in February, so yeah, it'd been February 4th. Unfortunately, I was delayed for a good reason. Um, my sister had a very, very good year last year, and uh, she was very, very kind to pay my parents' way for them to come and visit uh, the family. So they were able to see my wife, they were able to see the kids for the very, very first time. It's the first time I've seen them in about four years. So, you know, it was really, really good to see them. Um, we spent a lot of time together, we did a lot of fun things, we, you know, we had a lot of tears and a lot of cake and ice cream and, you know, all that nonsense. And uh, it was really, really good to see them and, you know, it was great that my kids got along with them. My, my son loves my dad. Uh, you know, just, just real, real good, so it was good to see them, but again, obviously it delayed what we do here, but you know what, it's one of the times where I think it's acceptable. Uh, we had another delay too when, um, you know, I mentioned that uh, we are now responsible for uh, a couple of extra kids uh, because their guardian is very, very sick, and you know, that's a real, real good thing too, I love having them around, uh, we're going to feature one of the guys uh, on our podcast, uh, it's going to be fun, it's going to be great, but um, you know, it, it, there's some good things going on. This there've been some bad things going on, but there are also some good things going on, and that's what I'm seeing right now. So, and uh, finally, before we go into everything, um, as I was going through Netflix last night, I came across a trailer for I don't know if it's a series or a movie uh, called Everything Sucks. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, if it's a series, I'm going to binge watch it. If it's a movie, I'm going to watch it, and I'll give a review um, sometime next week. Uh, probably do an extra episode. So if you're listening to this now. Um, I've probably done the review and listen, you know, and, and everything. But uh, if I haven't done it by now, I'll be doing it in the upcoming week. Um, that'll be, you know, that'll be a good thing. And I, it strikes me as interesting, too, because it's a very, very late 90s TV show. And it, it deals with some of the things that we've spoken about and everything like that. And it's just a real, real big nostalgia trip. It looks like it's a drama or a comedy drama. So it's going to be funny. It's going to be so it's going to be intelligently funny as opposed to, you know, fart jokes and uh you know so on and so forth but i'm really really looking forward to uh, watching it and going on so what can you do to support the podcast guys give us a like and a share on facebook twitter tumblr look at our blog because maybe podcast.wordpress.com we've got some great stuff going on in there uh this week i know we've uh given an artist review of tori amos who is uh, again one of the greatest musicians of all time uh look up our youtube channel where we've got samples of the podcast as well as our extra episodes and just a couple of other bits and nonsense that we usually do to get us going but in the meantime Stick around, we've got Women of Rock, and I'm joined by Sarah Connolly, and it's going to be a great, great night. Scenes of the 90s. Alright guys, we are here. We are back with Scenes of the 90s. We are going to be looking at the great Women of Rock, and I am joined by musical expert, female musical <laughs> expert, uh, like I mentioned in the beginning, somebody who could tell you what Courtney loved her for breakfast at the day of one of her gigs. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Sarah, it's great to have you back on. How you been? Uh, I've been well, John. How are you? Well, I'm not asking you on my behalf. I'm asking you on everybody <laughs> else's behalf. I know how you've been. It's, uh... Yeah, yeah. You've spent the last two and a half months annoying me, and I've spent the last two and a half months annoying you, so that's how it's going to be for everything. Right? Yeah, we've had a really hectic holiday season, and sorry, guys, that it took... As long as it did for us to get together and get this out to you, it's been just one thing after another, as it has for everyone else. But lately, it seems that, you know, if you if you cut me, I bleed caffeine and dry shampoo. But that's okay. We're doing this. We're on it. I don't even have the dry shampoo. I've been going out <laughs> greasy. So. Except yesterday when I came home, and you, when you came home and I had pigtails in. Mm, yes. Um, <laughs> that's Never another story for day. another day. Um, so are you, uh, re- are you ready? Let's, let's do this. this. Let's do this. All right. Well, one of the things that you've got to look forward to in the, pa- in, in the present is you've got to look to the past. And 90s rock music, when it came to, to the women in America especially, was a lot different from the 90s rock music in the UK. 
Right. Um, in the UK, it was mainly the Britpop scene. You know, you right. had the Gallagher Brothers, you had Blur, and so on and so forth. And not a lot of the not a lot of women got their fair shake. There was Catatonia and Elastica, mm-hmm. who we'll get to later on, but really not that much. But at the same time, in the United States, there was a huge. I don't. It was a huge shift coming on, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of female musicians, female right. rock stars in particular, who were coming out just as strong, just as talented, and as as the guys were. And that's what we're going to look at right here. But before we do that, we've got to look at what they were coming from. Right. So in the eighties, I don't want to go too far back in the eighties, but in the eighties, we ha- we had the seventies, and they were strong in terms of female musicians, and then we had the eighties. And we had some 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 good folks like say uh, Lita Ford or John Jett, right? Or Blondie, right? What did you make of those guys? Well, I mean, um, here's the thing: when you when you look at those particular artists in and of themselves, they actually got their start in the '70s, but got better notoriety in the '80s in a way. I mean, like you know, Lita and Joan, of course, were in the Runaways back in the '70s. Heart um, really took off in in the seventies, and you know then they were more power ballady in the eighties, um, and then Blondie, uh, you know they started in the seventies with disco and whatnot, and then you know it it, it carried right on over in the eighties. And the same thing actually could be said for Stevie Nicks. I mean, her solo career in the eighties is what you know really defined her outside of Fleetwood Mac. So. That was a heck of a definition, though. I mean, <laughs> right? Definitely. But um, they they were kind of they they were taken seriously going into the eighties. I mean, f- female musicians were taken seriously going into the eighties, as opposed to say, you know, uh, what they became in the eighties. Well, I mean, it it, it, it depended on it depended on the musician, and it depended on who that musician surrounded herself with on how she was perceived um for every you know wilson sister from heart <laughs> you know there were there were countless of of other women who weren't taken as seriously in the 80s um who should have been um you know if it wasn't for lita and jones attitude yeah. they would not have been you know, as because when you think pinup girl, I mean Joan Jett is is an awesome, awesome, just gorgeous, talented woman, but she didn't she she was she was a different kind of poster girl. You know what I mean? I then, and and that's who she des- that was by design. You know, it was you know love me, but I'll cut you if you mess with me. <laughs> right. And 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 you know, and that's and that just made her just awesome. But a lot of, in the 80s, a woman's success was defined by who she presented herself with and how much crap she was willing to take. Pretty much. What have you done for me lately? Ish, yeah. (laughs) Because, I mean, the way that, I mean, if you look at just even Ann Wilson. Yeah. My God, they were horrible her in the 80s. You know, in the 80s. And then later on, they carried on to the the 90s. I mean, Dave Navarro once said that his two favorite singers were... Aretha and and Ann Wilson and both of them were heavy, but they only gave crap to one of them. Yeah, that's true. So you know, there was a lot of image going on in the eighties. Because I mean, the eighties mm-hmm. overall, it was more image than substance yes. with a lot of things, not just in music, but in in general. Yes. Um, and that's why it seemed like now now I know this is this is not true, but it seemed like the only time you would see a woman in a rock video was like on the hood of a car. Or on the arm of a rock star, <laughs> right. or something like that. I mean, what the biggest uh, music video production up until I guess Beyonce a couple of years ago was November Rain, right? And that wedding dress. That wedding dress. My God, that inspired a whole generation of girls as to what, and, and some of them, ooh, myself <laughs> included, we do not need to be cramming ourselves into that dress. Nope, nope, nope. But what did that do for female musicians overall? Did that bleed over into the pop in, in the United States, do you think? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, there were a lot of... If you were a young woman and you were not blessed enough to have been turned on to, you know, Lita and Joan and, you know, uh, 
your experience to rock outside of like Belinda Carlisle and things like that, who still rocks, by the way, but you know, Bananarama and all that good stuff, you were, <laughs> I mean, if you weren't walking like an Egyptian, you were Tawny Katane on the roof of a car if you wanted in rock or Bobby Brown and, and, um, the, the cherry pie videos. So, I mean, that was, if you weren't taking the world by storm and being in an all female lead, whatever you, you were eye candy. Yeah. And that, that was the eighties. And, and it was, it was predominant in the hair metal scene too. I mean, if it, if you weren't in the video, you were the, you were basically the subject of the song and a lot of eighties hair metal bands, basically for, for lack of being crude, we're talking about the girls think I'm sexy. Let's go bang some chicks. And you know, even even right. the most tamest people like uh, Bon Jovi, mm-hmm. even you know, Wanted Dead or Alive is basically the story of them going from city to city, hooking up with every mm-hmm. group they get their hands on. Uh, there were some female hair metal acts out there, right. like uh, Wendy O. Williams and Vixen. Mm-hmm. But I mean, nothing really that you know stood out against the tide that that they were involved with. I mean, well, it, it did if you were able. Okay, nothing that stood out mainstream, 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 right? If you knew where to dig, obviously the you know those women existed, and they were amazing. But you had to be again, if you were you know, you know Jane Smith in Podunkville, wherever, and you weren't, you know, in the in the L.A. Sunset Strip scene, watching bands or in New York or in any musical yeah. hub, right? If you weren't in a hub where music was prevalent you only heard what your little radio station played and your little radio station was not playing wendy o williams unfortunately and you know it's 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 true i mean you know they took the substance out of it and they wouldn't Mm -hmm. get what was in there um but the good thing to come out of hair metal was when it declined um (laughs) i'm sorry guys if you if you know me i don't like hair metal that much um which is weird because the older you get, the more hair you have. <laughs> yes, and, I know. Yes, we, I mean, really, like eyeliner, guys. I I need to get him in some eyeliner. We shall see how this works. Is that what I'm doing for Halloween dressing? Oh, and, yeah. yeah. Okay, but I mean, I, I, the reason I don't like hair metal is because you know one of the reasons that, one of the reasons that I personally enjoyed Britpop was because of the subject matter. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I disliked hair metal was because of the subject matter. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but the good thing about the hair metal scene is when it died, uh, grunge started popping up. Yes. Now you told me when we when I started doing this research that the grunge was more of an equal opportunity music scene by design. By design. Yes. Now let me let me back up. There were still ten points. Let me back up. There were still, um, I mean, the music business was still the music business in the 90s. Right. And there were still sharks everywhere. Oh, of course, of course. But the great thing about grunge is that it was more organically grown, at least the first wave, right? And these um, bands were coming from these smaller labels that they they had been nurtured based on talent. And not that there wasn't all this other backstage, you know, boardroom BS, you know, out there. However, um, women were, if they were lucky enough to have come from one of those smaller labels, um, you know, they were befriending, for one, they were befriending all, all of, you know, all of their friends that they were on the circuit with were about to become huge. Yeah. And it was sort of a, everyone surged up at once. You know, so, I mean, if you look at acts that were signed on, like, Sub Pop or Caroline back in the day, right. I mean, those acts did amazing, you know, but and but they also flourished as artists because they were, you know, they were taught their worth. They were sh- not taught. They were shown their worth beyond what they already knew it to be. Right. They so were, they were seen more as musicians. Yes, they they, they were you know you they were just chicks with guitars. Yeah, I mean they they were seen as a band as opposed to right. Oh look 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 at the four women. Oh, mm-hmm. They were just you know it was just that band right there. Um, no, obviously not that band right there. I mean you know, when you've got bands like Hall mm-hmm. and Soundgarden and Vernon and Alice in Chains, I mean mm-hmm. you know 
the grunge music scene itself, not just the, not just with the, with 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 the women, but we're gonna, we're going to talk about uh, uh, the women too. There were very few songs about you know, like like the hair metal thing. The majority of the right. songs were, were going out, you know, sleeping around and having fun. The grunge scene was very much different in that regard in terms of yeah. There wasn't content. really any unskinny bop, you know, in, in the grunge field. So it was very very grimy. Oh, it was grimy. Grimy is well put by definition. definition. Right. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm just testing you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But no, no, no. Um, what I mean by that is, you you describe the 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 main bands in in grunge, mm-hmm. uh, the guys mainly as people who wanted equality and and femi- and feminists. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the grunge movement brought in a lot of um, the first big wave of male feminists. Um, when I say that, I mean not that there hasn't been male feminists all along. But mainstream male feminists, I mean, they're, good God, look at Kurt Cobain. You know, I mean, he was, he was one of the biggest feminists that you would ever meet. At this time in rock music, uh, the females that were coming through as part of the artists, were they starting to get more respect than the female pop artists of the day and the manufactured tat that, that came out from all sides? Well, yeah, because they just didn't care. You know what I mean? Like, they weren't in there to be eye candy. Don't get me wrong. They they knew their worth and they knew who they were as sexual beings and, and whatnot. But they weren't there, you know, to be a poster on the wall. Um, and when you look at the grunge scene, you know, one of the biggest, you know, mainstream feminism for men really kicked off around the grunge movement. And that could really be tied, you know, to people like Kurt Cobain. And in fact, if you look at Kurt Cobain... You know, the the female offshoot of the grunge scene, not that not that women weren't included in grunge, but, you know, there was a little offshoot called the Riot Girl Movement. And when you look at the biggest players in, in the Riot Girl Movement, you know, Bikini Kill, Babes in Toyland, uh, Mary Lou Lord, Hole, they all have, in one facet or another, uh, a connection to Kurt. Um, I mean... Kurt and some of them just threw Courtney to Kurt. It's really interesting when you look at that whole movement, um, the Riot Girl movement that attached, you know, like I said, that was the offshoot of of grunge itself. And um, even then, I mean, if you look at Kurt, you look at Dave Grohl, you look at female acts that he supported yeah. back in the nineties. Um, I mean, it, it just it it snowballs. It snowballs. It snowballs. What was some of the, I mean, in terms of the music, what was like a, a typical Riot Girl style act look like? Was there, was it, did they have like a uniform theme? And I'm not talking about like appearance, I'm talking about like in the music style of things. Or were they just um, a whole bunch of people who had similar ideas and kind of expressed them on stage? Well, I mean, Riot Girl was a mixture of punk and feminism, and we're going to play it just as loud as the guys do and um not giving a damn you know what i mean it was it was it was this is who we are and we're unapologetic and we're loud and take it leave it we could give two you know poops less so (laughs) my train of thought just derailed and the look i was getting i think she's getting ready to uh no start screaming into the microphone (laughs) uh Do, during that time, I mean, during the early '90s, and we, and and we, th- this week we're just kind of laying the foundation. Right. Uh, next week we'll go into like who some of the major players were, with the exception mm-hmm. of, of of this week. We're, we're going to talk about one of the major players, um, but also in the '90s, aside from the Ryko movement, aside from the female rock in general, uh, there was a punk revival of all. I don't want to say the the, the older folks but i mean the folks who'd been around since the 70s and early 80s they reached back and kind of clawed their way back to the top right so to speak you had like patty smith mm-hmm. chrissy hine mm-hmm. and debbie harry yeah i mean debbie harry was still showing that she could do debbie harry's a goddess yes she is <laughs> she's on john's list and that's right. okay I-, I wholeheartedly endorse and rubber stamp that <laughs> so you should see her list. Um, now, De- yes. Debbie, Har- Debbie Harry, um, I, l- I love Debbie Harry's voice. I think it's absolutely 
I know it's a fact. I'm not stupid. I mean, I do sound engineering for a living. I know it's a fact, but her, <laughs> her voice sounds really, really haunting. Yes. And she could be singing the phone directory and it would bring out emotion. The older she's gotten, it's sort of gotten this really cool Marianne Faithful vibe to it as well. And so it just, to me, makes her even more awesome. She is so. awesome. I mean, just like I said, the comeback that she had was, you know, I mean, Blondie itself coming back in the, in the 90s. I mean, right. I, I, I don't know. It's kind of like the Eagles coming back, I guess. Yes. Or um, but one of the major players in in 90s women rock, mm-hmm. and I know it sounds like we, we've run a little show, but trust me, guys, this is this this is by design. Um, Courtney Love. Mm-hmm. Courtney Love is, I guess, for lack of a better term, your spirit animal. Ha! Without the heroin, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Courtney is a very polarizing figure, and you either love her or you hate her. It's very, she's one of those people that she inspires reactions. And again, that's by design. She wants to. That's who she is. Um, she's a very, I mean, baby girl has issues. Well, no, she has subscri- subscriptions, but, you know, that's okay. I mean, if you had had the sort of upbringing where, that she had had, I mean, her mom was a Balshalom heiress and her dad was a, you know, a, a Grateful Dead manager who put acid in her bottles when she was, which explains so much. <laughs> but no, I mean, Courtney, Courtney is a force of nature. Very, very public hard life. Yeah. A hard life in public, I should say. Excuse me. Yeah. But, I mean, a lot of that... Courtney puts herself in situations. That's true. I mean, if you looked at... In the 80s... Towards the end of the 80s, um, Andy Warhol used to have a a show uh, for, where you got your own 15 minutes. And he would get all these weird, crazy characters and, and give them their 15 minutes of fame. Which is where the whole thing was coined from. And Courtney, my God, that was, if, you know, Google that, look that up on YouTube. That was pre-nose job Courtney, pre-Kurt Courtney, pre-guitar Courtney. I mean, pre-playing for Faith No More and Babes in Toyland Courtney. No, well, I'd have to look at the date. I want to say you're right on that. I could be wrong. Um, It was pre-Straight to Hell, which is the an awesome spaghetti western if you're into those things. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just, but if you look at somebody who had run the gamut in the 90s over just from, if it was a book, just character development, I mean, my God, you start in the 90s, you've got Hole, right? And then you've got Kurt and Courtney. And then there's this arc of complete psychosis, right? (laughs) And then... You've got People versus Larry Flint Courtney and Man in the Moon Courtney. Yes. And when you look at where she started and where she ended up, dear God. I mean, like I said, it's a, it's a hell of a character arc. Oh, it is. It is. I, th- yeah. I think somebody needs to, to, to make Courtney love the movie. Oh. Or at least the miniseries or something like that. <laughs> and and because she does have, I mean, okay, look, from the outside looking in, she does have a very interesting life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it must have been torturous for her. I mean, she she lost her husband mm-hmm. through murder, uh, suicide. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> I'm, uh, don't get Greg on here talking about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, something tells me we should not do a Greg and Sarah. Could we, Courtney? Oh, that might happen uh-huh. one day. Um, but just, I mean, she, as you said, so she had a very, very uh, expensive arc going through the 90s mm-hmm. so let's 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 look at some of that right now um hole in the 90s mm-hmm. they started off loud mm-hmm. i mean they, they were grunge act let's let's right. you know um and then towards the end of the 90s they got they became a little more i don't want to say commercial but was it because they they acted like they were they, they were they were growing up or maturing or so basically co- you're co- asking about the difference between you know Pretty on the inside of the Ask For It EP versus Celebrity Skin. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. The, 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 arc, of the arc of the music. How, how right. the music changed and, and your, your thoughts as to why it changed. Okay. Well, um, the beginning of the 90s, Courtney expressed everything by screaming. Yes. 
in real life in her music you know it just it was it was it was who she was at the time no she still screams she's still one of the best screamers out there but during the beginning of the 90s that was that was how you know she spoke that was how she communicated the louder the better um after kurt died and she had her her meltdown which you know any spouse is entitled to there's no yeah. right way or wrong way to grieve exactly at all and, I completely and regardless of how that all went down and how one feels about that or whatever at the end of the day there she you know he was still gone so he was still her husband yes he was still, still for what it was worth she loved him and and she you know and and, and that and, and you know you've got francis and how that child i mean how she's as as sane as she is i mean just whoo yes there's outside forces touching that that one but that's another story that's anyway so that's another story that we can't tell that, that's that correct to her to tell so anyway um you've got you've got courtney and she's gone through all of this guttural you know first off she you know communicates by wailing anyway and then all of this guttural change and then wanting to make a better version of herself and cleaning up her act and getting off the drugs which she had to do to be um you know to do the movies that she did in the late 90s i mean she in order to be insured to be in those movies she had to be clean and going through what she did you know and and there was the period in the 90s when her mother-in-law ended up with francis um you know, there's interviews with Melissa Oftimore where she spoke about how, you know, going when they were doing all that and doing uh, celebrity skin and, and changing their image that, uh, you know, for a while, Donatella Versace was their fairy godmother. So, you know, first off, she ended up with a way better stylist. You know, she went from shopping at Goodwill and putting together stuff to Donatella sending over a, a, a jet. So, and then all of that is reflected. And then also, if you look at you know influences uh, back at the time back then she was living in california because she decided you know after the washington had taken the baby away whenever um kurt and courtney were together yeah. they had bought the house in california um you know they still had the house in seattle which is where kurt died yeah. regardless of how it happened but they bought the house in california because of California's laws, child protective, and this, that, and the other, right? California was more lenient on things. So, you know, that that became her primary base. Well, there's a different music sound to that. You know, she went from grunge and being surrounded by all those people, you know, her friends and Kurt's friends and, you know, whatnot. And a lot of it is going to be Kurt's friends because, once again, Courtney's a very polarizing person. You know, she you don't you don't get invited over to you know for tea and crumpets with Courtney. You just don't. So, but then she moved to California, and after she went through all of that, after which you know she went through all that she went through. It there's a different. It's a different scene. It's a different sound. And I remember putting on Celebrity Skin and listening to it, and my very and I was a huge Courtney Love fan back in the day. And, you know, back on Usenet. <laughs> you know, alt fan Courtney Love. But, um... You should see her Angel Fire page. <laughs> shush you. <laughs> but I remember putting on my headphones and, and blasting that. And the first words out of my mouth was, What kind of Belinda Carlisle BS is this? <laughs> I mean, when you listen to Awful on the... Oh, my God. But then again, if you go back and you look at the 80s, in the beginning of the 80s, the Go-Go's were considered punk. Yeah. So it's a way, it's it's still, it's just a more polished version. And that album, though, has some very raw moments. I mean, it's still whole. Now, is that the album with the Northern Star on? Yes. Okay, yeah. That, that, that That's the post-Kurt album. This is the I'm getting all of my demons off my chest album. Northern Star is the most depressingly awesome song i've ever heard in my yeah. life yeah i mean yeah. yeah so i mean the the, the move the move the move to california did kind of help her well it polished her that and the movies 
and you know there's a different sound and she can afford better producers and you know she's on she's you know she she's in better shape for one better shape so, mentally yeah and physically you know so let's talk about the movies very very briefly okay um now we're going to be actually talking about both of those movies mm-hmm. later on in in in, in the season uh, yes. and, and you're going to be joining me for these these two too um her performance in the people versus larry Flynn oh my god yes was fantastic yes um i hate to say that there are parts in there where she didn't really have to act um judging by her personality but that's that's completely wrong well, i mean it starts off with a stripper who marries somebody yeah i mean in well and courtney did strip in japan in the 80s so there you go and i mean she did a really really good job in that movie I yes mean, the thing about an actor mm-hmm. male or female is when you look at the screen, mm-hmm. you don't see Will Smith. You don't see... You see the character. You see the character. Mm-hmm. And in both of those movies, you didn't see Courtney Love up there. No. You saw... The, the woman that she was the portraying. Woman that she was portraying. Now, sadly, in both movies, she was playing the girlfriend, but... Uh, that was, was a little more defined on People vs. Larry Flint. But she... Th- both, right. of the, both of those quote-unquote girlfriends, though, were strong will oh yeah women yeah and in the people versus larry flint she's absolutely she's got the right blend of seriousness humor and tragedy mm-hmm. and in man on the moon yeah bob wood she did it man on the moon is one of my favorite movies of all time mm-hmm. and one of your favorite movies of all time too mm-hmm. and how she acted in there especially with jim carrey being all jim carrey, jim carrey and, and, yeah and Thinking he forgetting just, he's not Daniel Day-Lewis. And forgetting he's not Andy Kaufman. Yes. You know, I think that there are three stages of Jim Carrey, I think, in everybody's <laughs> life. You, lo- you love him when you're a teenager. You, you, you repudiate him when you're in your 20s. And then you remember how good he can be as an actor. So. Is there a part like that with Adam Sandler? Like, are we going to are we gonna have a big Adam Sandler revival where we forget he hung out with Rob Schneider? Well, he tried that with the, the movie Funny People. With um, He's actually better with Rob Schneider. Well, he couldn't be any worse without him. Uh, <laughs> the best thing Rob Schneider ever did was make El King, so that's okay. The best thing Rob Schneider ever did was Demolition Man. And Father El King. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we've gone from Courtney Love to Rob Schneider. That's that's six degrees of separation yes, right no, there. Yes, but, no, but I could see, I could definitely see El King as, as a sort of Courtney successor. Now, El King is... Um, Oh the oh the 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 exes and oh yes yeah I yeah I can see that see yeah so there's there's a segue it's pertinent I mean that that's that that that's actually you know a real really good shout right there because again she's got that attitude of I don't uh-huh. give a, I don't give a crap what you exactly. think exactly and but she's, she's got more commercial viability and she's got that big booming At, voice right. Well, I mean, when coming on the scene, she's got more commercial viability. Okay, sorry, we got off on a tangent. Yeah, when I'm uh, my my, this is how tired I am, everybody. When she said L King, I'm thinking, what the heck movie was that? Because <laughs> I wasn't thinking E L L E King, I was thinking of L dot King, and I'm trying to think, what the heck, what movie was that? Now? Right. That's why I said, no, Demolition Man. Uh, <laughs> right. But um, does Courtney Love get mm-hmm. a lot of unjust stick? Um. Well, it depends on who you ask. Okay, let me let me let, let, <laughs> right. Let, let me let me let me let me rephrase that. I think Greg would probably say, "No, she doesn't get enough shtick." Does she represent the Yoko Ono of, of her, her is movement? She, right. Is she is she her generation? Does she the riot girl grunge scenes Yoko? Yeah, and I don't mean like the girlfriend or anything like that, but the polarizing figure who well, who. Everybody hates because of the because of, of you know circumstance. Sure, that's you know yeah. <laughs> okay, yes, and I'll elaborate. <laughs> I mean, she again, Courtney coming onto the scene. Courtney was very you know love me or hate me, and and that's what she inspires in people. And when you put her in the position that she was in, where she married, you know, the, 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 the dark prince of grunge, whatever, whatever you want to call it. I mean, she married, right. She married the poster boy of his generation and then he died. 
And regardless of, of what one's thoughts are on the matter, the fact, I mean, she was going to be the villain because she was too Courtney to be the, the sob story. You know what I mean? She was, she was going to make you so pissed off at her, you weren't going to feel sorry for her. That's just who she was. Because that, that's one of the things that always bothered me. I always, I always thought that Courtney Love gets, is, is you know, Courtney Love is, let's get this out of the way. Courtney Love is a fantastic musician, mm-hmm. great singer, great mm-hmm. songwriter. When she's clean and sober, she's a great actress. Mm-hmm. And, she, you know, she, when she's clean and sober, she's awesome. When she's not clean and sober, she's awesome. But you get what I'm trying to say. Right. The fact that, she was Kirk Cobain's wife and mm-hmm. he died. I think, in my opinion, that sullies a lot of people's opinion on her. Yeah. Even more so than the drugs, even so more than the uh, ch- child protective taking the baby away from both of them. Mm-hmm. Not just, they didn't take it from her, they took it from both of them. Right. Um, you know, all the stuff that they both got up to. Right. Yet, one is revered, the other is reviled. And, you know, it's it's a lot easier to, you know... Well, yeah, but that's because he died. I mean, had Kurt stuck around longer, I mean, I think a lot of... Well, he wouldn't have caught as much crap because, I mean, I hate to say it, but he's male. I mean, it's just men can get away, especially in the music industry, especially as a parent and in the music industry. You know, men, you know, what's that that saying or that thing that Chris Rock talks about how... You know, well, you're supposed to be there. What do you want? A gold, st- you know, you don't. You need a gold star. I mean, you're supposed to be a dad. You're supposed to, you know. But I mean, but as you said, right? Exactly. But it's like you said. You know, Francis was taken away from both of them. I mean, you know, they were both in in rehab. I mean, he was in rehab right before he died. So there were issues there, and how. If he wasn't able to get his stuff straight, how long do you think it would have been before he completely effed up? And, you know, would he have been as big of a public train wreck? I mean, the only difference between, I hate to say this, attitude and, and chutzpah and talent are the only difference legally on paper between Courtney and Lindsay Lohan. Well, look at all the crap no, Lindsay you, got into. You're, you're absolutely right. You're but absolutely right. Lindsay lacked, I mean, not to say that Lindsay wasn't talented, but Lindsay, Courtney wasn't going to be laying around crying for some man. No. You know what I mean? And and Lindsay seems to be the, the type of person that needs that companionship where Courtney is not. Do you think that's another reason why that put a lot of people out of jo- noses out of joint? Because... Remember, in the early 90s... Oh, yeah. Yeah, she didn't need nobody. Yeah. I mean, we were still in the... I mean, you know, we were still in that society where, you know, women were still expected to be at home and stuff like that. Right. Because she wasn't with the veil and and crying and hugging the coffin 24-7. A lot of people got turned off by that. Well, I mean, but she did do her own things. I mean, most people don't realize if you look at... There's pictures of Courtney in 95, 96, running around with a, with a teddy bear backpack on her back. With, you know, those back when you said backpack purses. Yeah. Most people don't realize that half of Kurt's ashes were in that. Just keeping with, keep with her all Yeah. No. So, I mean, but she did it in her own Courtney way. You know what I mean? So. She was unique. Yes. She is unique. Yes. Now, to, let's piss off the Nirvana fans just a little bit more. Oh, God. Um. No hate mail. No, 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 no hate mail, and, and I'm saying that in jest. Uh, direct all. <laughs> I think I know where you're going with this too, because we had this debate in the car the other day. Direct all hate mail to uh, John. To at. <laughs> <laughs> to at real Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> okay, no. Cook Bean. Uh huh. Sorry, let me rephrase that. Nirvana. Mm-hmm. They followed whole. Did they not? Ask for it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Hang on, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to pull this up. I want okay. While I'm pulling this up, this is this is the this is the basis for this article or for this discussion. There are there has been a belief that Cole ripped their sound off from Nirvana, right? And it's 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 easy to it's easy to make that case when 
Her husband was the most popular persona publicly of the pair of them. Mm-hmm. Try saying that five times fast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he was eulogized and she's, you know, villainized. And we here, at the pod, we here at the podcast, we like to deal in truth as much as we can get it. We don't like to deal in, in, in half measures and we don't like to deal in conjecture and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. So, if you were a Nirvana fan, what we say here is very, very easily verifiable by using the world's greatest search engine. Right. Yahoo. <laughs> uh, well, that was the only thing that they had in the 90s. Right. Oh, except Alta Vista and Jeeves. Mm. Um, but at the same time, it's very, very hard to, to, to look at these things objectively when you already have a pre a, a bias. Right. And, you know, I've said this before, um, if, for people who have listened, I am a fan of John Lennon, the musician, and John Lennon, the person I absolutely can't stand. He is everything that, that I hate. Right. You know, heroin addict, woman beater, and, you know, but yet Yoko Ono's the bad guy, you know? Mm. Whereas, when it comes to Kurt and Courtney, as we mentioned, you know, they both had their faults, but only Courtney is blamed for them, which right. I was I was found that was wrong. Okay, how much more stolen have I got to do? Okay. <laughs> well, no, here's the thing. I mean, as for it was from Extra Songs, you know, well, not with Extra Songs, but okay. Um, Pretty on the Inside came out first. They were both recorded right around the same time. Um, they were both recorded between 91 and 92. Um, But a lot of the songs were written at the end of 89, which is the same time that Bleach was written and came out. So, um, and side note... Uh, you know, Kim Gordon from Sonic Youth was one of the producers of Pretty on the Inside. Um, do, do, do. So there's this whole thing about, you know, oh, well, Courtney stole, you know, the Nirvana sound on the Live Through This because a lot of people, um, their first introduction to Hole was through the Live Through This album that came out in 94, which right after Kurt died. Um, and live through this does have a that you know does have a lot of that sound but the thing about it is though whole now granted live through this was their first major label release right um they they were i mean whole sound hasn't other than at that point in time whole sound had not changed that much they were they were right they were just a little more polished um when you look at nirvana right bleach sounds completely different from in utero or never mind bleach sounds different from never mind i mean you could take pretty on the inside the title track and or teenage whore off the you know and and pretty it up and give it a better you know uh uh, uh production va- value right with a major label and put it on ask for it or live through this excuse me yeah and and that's the thing you know it, it's it's not a question of of of, of who copied who it, or even a question of who came first right i mean they met 90 but here i mean they met but they, here's they the thing who each other were they knew who each other were the thing about it is is that musically i think they any any musical couple they're going to feed off of each other to a degree <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. i mean they're going to they're going to write songs together they're going to do stuff together. They're listening to each other's thing. You know, that's the whole point. While um, the Metallica says they won't listen to metal bands because they don't want it to influence their sound. Well, they're Kurt and Courtney, they're the same genre. They, they met through the music. Right. So obviously they're going to influence people. Uh, each other I'm, I'm laughing right now people people not seeing i'm probably irritating sarah when when she said that you know musical couples tend to start riding together and everything mm-hmm. like that now i realize why the old saints albums were starting to get more rocky and dense <laughs> stuff when the appleton sisters were married to the two liams yes uh, so <laughs> sorry um, no way tangent way right tangent. 
But I mean, the thing about it is, is that's just that's just how it is. You know what I mean? You 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 write with who you're surrounded with, and it it doesn't it doesn't surprise me. But again, you know, pretty on the inside and the Ask for it EP sound the same. Yeah. Whereas Nirvana completely changed between Bleach and Nevermind. I mean, there's still it's still loud. Yeah. It's still Nirvana. It's still Kurt. Lyrically, they maybe not as much, but sound wise, it's it's totally it's different. it's a it's a different band. Well, now that we're on the topic of Nirvana, never mind. This is a very, very good segue. Um, we are at over 40 minutes, and we've got a lot more to talk about. Now, I knew this week we'd, we'd, we'd spend a lot of time talking about Courtney Love, mm-hmm. and I think that was... Make no mistake about it. She was one of the biggest female rock acts out there. But we're not done talking about female rock acts. Oh, not, not at all. Slice. We've got many, many more to speak about, mm-hmm. um, ranging from, for example, Elastica... To Alanis Morissette, mm-hmm. to Jewel, to the Dixie Chicks, and yes. everything in between. Now, there's and a reason. Uh, there's a reason I mentioned all that. Trust me, we're talking a lot more. But one of the reasons that uh, the Nirvana thing came up is that Nirvana's produce the producer of Nevermind, Butch Vig, Butch Vig, is the drummer. In yes. One of your other favorite bands. Yes, garbage. Garbage. Butch Vig watched MTV one day, and saw on 120 minutes. A video by a band called Angelfish. Yes. And sort of pulled a, I want that one. You know? <laughs> I want that one. Right? I prefer Stevie Nicks. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, uh, and proceeded became... to use MTV as a mail order service to find out who is that singer. I want her. And lo and behold, Garbage was born. And we will talk more about Garbage next week we're actually going to tweak the order about because i'm enjoying this conversation so much yes we'll do the albums at the last the last okay week. works for me sarah it's great to have you on board we'll continue this conversation for us it will Donka. Be, for us it will be tomorrow for everybody else it will be next week yes and right now talking of awesome rock mm-hmm. chicks at rock women mm-hmm. <laughs> talking of awesome rock women right let's take a look back at one of the most controversial moments in saturday night live history Sinead O'Connor is an Irish musician. Known for her haunting voice and strong personality, she is considered one of Ireland's greatest musicians of all time. Her stances on religion, women's rights, war, and child abuse have led to a ton of praise and condemnation. In 1992, she appeared on NBC's flagship entertainment comedy show, Saturday Night Live. There she performed an a cappella version of War by Bob Marley. During the performance, in protest of historical sexual abuse in the Catholic Church, she ripped a photograph of Pope John Paul II in half. The studio audience was shocked into a stunned silence as the show cut to commercial. O'Connor was roundly criticized in the media for her actions, with Madonna going as far as to parody the event the next week, calling the likes of Joey Buttafuoco Amy Fisher's lover, the real enemy. Ironically, Madonna's counter-protest was considered professional jealousy. O'Connor stands by her protest and would not change a thing. Two weeks later, O'Connor would be visibly cheered and jeered at a Bob Dylan tribute show in Madison Square Garden. Instead of singing her song, as the audience was too rowdy, she sang war, but stopped before the line about child abuse before emotionally walking off the stage. Her protest did highlight some of the dark happenings of the Catholic Church. And while it was not the beginning of investigations, they did bring some light on a dark chapter of the church. Attention 90s music fans. If you are in the Stafford Houston area of the world on March 3rd, 2018, come to the Pub Fountain Stafford for a night of 90s music and entertainment featuring the 2017 Arklatex Rock Band of the Year, The Holodecks. Showtime is at 9pm and a valid ID is required to drink, however there is no limit on age. Entry for this great night of 90s entertainment is free. That's right, there's no charge at the door. For more information on the band and for dates in your area of the world, go to theholodex.com. 
That's the hollow H O L L O W Dex.com. And check out the band on Facebook at Holodex. Sinead O'Connor, what yes. a uh, what an artist. Oh, definitely. Um, and that moment right there, speaking as a Catholic and somewhat Irish, mm-hmm. I thought it was fantastic. Um, <laughs> yes. But obviously in one of the hardest way possible to do it on Saturday Night Live. Um, mm. So, before we started this season, mm-hmm. we asked the social media question. Yes. And the social media question was... Who is your favorite band led by a female singer and or songwriter? And the answer went to Spencer Wise. Spencer said, quote, Courtney Love from the band Hall, with an honorable mention of Gwen Stefani from No Doubt. Mm -hmm. Shoot, and Alanis Morissette. Wow, the 90s were ample. Mm -hmm. You think that's a good shout? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, Gwen and, and Courtney... Um, amazing women who I still need to find out what shade lipstick they actually, because that is the perfect red. And then Alanis, who, you know, is amazing in her own right and who I loved back from my childhood with You Can't Do That on Television. Yes. And who made me see Uncle Joey in an entire new light. <laughs> that, I mean, you know, she helped create my, my childhood and she burned that crap to the ground too really quick. Well, yeah, she was here to remind you. Um... Ah. <laughs> ah. No need to think about Uncle Joey in theaters. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, guys, if you liked what you Cut hit... that out. <laughs> I might keep it in. I don't know yet. Uh... <laughs> oh, that joke flew. Don't keep... That flew right over your head. Probably did. Oh, uh, leave that there. Yes, I will. Womp, 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 womp. Uh, <laughs> Guys, if you were on social media, if you were on Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr, look up at Because Maybe Pod. That way we've got our stuff... You know, all of our announcements and any nonsense that you'd expect from, from that kind of, of, of page. And thank you guys for putting up with my rambling this evening. It's like I said, it's been a rough week. It's it has been crazy. Been a rough week. Um, if you guys go to YouTube, look up Because Maybe Podcast. Yeah. That's where our extra episodes are. And, of course, we have a blog that is kind of written by me, but completely edited and made to make sense by Sarah. Uh, if there's ever episodes that don't make sense, I was sick that week. <laughs> right. Uh, this week, <laughs> this week, if you go to the blog, we have an overview of Tori Amos. Ooh. So, even though we spoke a lot about Courtney Love, Courtney's yes. coming up. But Tori Amos is, is the subject of our blog this week. Um, yes, Queen. So... For next week's episode, we're gonna, like I said at the beginning of the show, we're going to be doing some things differently, and usually I would ask a social media question based off of what you've just listened to. We're doing it slightly different. I want to answer the social media question on that episode, because I realized talking about Super Mario Brothers on the Wayne's World episode just didn't make sense. So, let me ask you a question, everybody who's listening to this. Who is the best female musician in rock? All time. All rock? This is all rock, all Tom. This is not a 90s thing. Ooh. This is all rock, all Tom. Ooh. I've got my answers. I'll give them to you next week. Sarah's probably got answers of her own. She'll give oh, her own next week. Yeah, oh, I've got to. I might have a dissertation on this one. I've got to think. <laughs> might give Sarah her own extra all episode time? to answer this question. Of all Okay, the is Toms. this up to the 90s or is this including the knots and... This is from the moment the earth was created until the moment the earth is destroyed. Earth move. Okay. This is this is to the point where Billy Piper and uh, David, uh, not David Tennant, Chris Eccleston are staring over the balcony watching nah! the sun explode. Okay. So, so the next... first date we had chips. That's right. Oh, chips! I'm good right about that. Next week, we continue our discussion about the Women of Rock series, and I know we spent a lot of time this episode going over Courtney Love and the foundations of that. Next week, we're going to dive down into some of the artists. Um, we've got artists from every kind of rock genre you can think of from anywhere in the world. And we're going to talk about, not go through them list by list by list, like who is your daddy and what does he do? We're going to be talking about <laughs> why they were important to female, to, 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 to women's rock in the, in, in the 90s. Um, that's what I wanted this show to be. That's what I wanted these episodes to be. A, not just a celebration of women in rock as kind of a token thing. Why these guys were important musically as well as for, for women, as best as I can as a dude to figure that stuff out. Do we get to talk about my favorite uh, concert series tour ever? Which is? Lilith Fair. Yes, we do. Yay! 
So we've got a lot to talk about next week, but guys, thank you very much. Great to have have you listen to us. It is great to be back. Um, yes. Guess who's back? Yes, back. that's right. We're back. And you know what? We're taking you, every single one of you with us. So Whether you like it or not. Yeah, so remember to hit the subscribe button. Share with your friends, please. We need to be able to have our audience. Yes. The more we get, the more we can do. And we want to be besties with everyone. That's right. And we will see you next week. Next week. Maybe I'll have time to wash my hair before then, you think? (laughs) Well, I now know what's going on at the end of the episode.